Last September, there were two men casing a Jackson, Mississippi neighborhood looking for a house to rob, and they thought they had found an empty house, but when they got into it, they found there was a woman there. This is a picture here of Jeremy Taylor who was robbing the house along with another person, and this is uh, Leslie Shepard. And when they found her in the house, uh, they executed her. Well, Mr. Taylor was sentenced to life in prison. And at the sentencing, the mother of Leslie Taylor spoke about uh, how she felt about Jeremy and Taylor. And this is what she said. Even when her father and I were crying to the depths of our souls, our first prayers were for the murderers, she said. We do love them not just because Jesus commands that we love our enemy, but because we have the Holy Spirit within us, Mrs. Shepherd said. Whenever we hear about something like that, uh, we're amazed. We're amazed at the power of forgiveness, that a woman would be forgiving her daughter's killer at the sentencing. We know that she did it because she's a Christ follower. And she's experienced this tremendous grace that so many of you have experienced in your life. We also know she did it because Jesus Christ commanded her to do it. And she was enabled to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we hear these stories, we say, if, if that person can forgive someone for doing that, why can't I forgive other people for doing much, much less to me? Now, we're going to explore that today, talking about the power of forgiveness, the art of letting go as we continue in our series, Love at Last Sight, part of a larger series, Relationship Rx. Some of the things we've already talked about the first week, we talked about the art of being all there, the story of Mary and Martha. The next week, the art of intentionality, the parable of the prodigal son, and the art of of awkwardness, talked about the healing of the paralytic last week, and today the art of letting go. And this churchwide challenge that we're in, we're encouraging everybody to do a couple things. First of all, to attend on a weekly basis, and then uh, to buy this book. It's got 30 different chapters for the 30-day challenge. We're on day 22, so want to encourage you to pick it up and just start reading. And you got 30 days that you can uh, learn from and learn biblical insights about how to improve your relationships. Use it in your daily office time. I also encourage you to attend a small group and to download the Love at Last Sight app. Also, next week, as we continue in this Relationship Rx series, we are going uh, to be talking about discovering your love style. If you take this yellow sheet out and turn to the love style assessment side of it, uh, a love style is the way that you're naturally wired. Uh, it's how you approach life. It's how you approach relationships. And we want to challenge everyone uh, to take a love style assessment. It costs five dollars, usually twenty dollars, but we got a discount, and also we're supplementing it from our HeartStrong uh, funds. So it's five dollars per code uh, that gives you a survey. So what you do is you write down two names 
at the bottom here and then put two emails or just one email if you can't think of the other person's email. It might be your spouse, your child, a friend. And then you both take the assessment. Basically, you go on to the Internet and we'll give you a site to go to. You put the code in. It takes you about 15 minutes and a couple minutes later they email you a love style report. And it's amazing when people read this. They say, how did they know that about me? <laughs> Usually 90 to 100% true about them. So you'll find that very interesting. But more important, you'll learn how God has wired your spouse or your child. And you guys can take uh, the report and compare it uh, to one another. So please, after the service, go back uh, and uh, give this a sheet to the people at the Love at Last Sight Challenge table along with $10 and get two codes. And that's going to help you better understand what we'll be talking about next week. Now, you don't have to to understand uh, the next two weeks and this uh, series on uh, relationships and love styles, but it certainly would be helpful. Also, we have two workshops. If you look at the other side, workshops coming up on November uh, 9th and October 26th, two different Friday nights are identical workshops. You only need to attend one. But this will have a little more of a marital focus. So we invite uh, couples out, and you can also put down any of the kids that uh, you want child care for. Again, part of our heartstrong focus on family. But uh, turn that in. We'd love to have you out. We'll have Bill Yacino coming in and explaining more about how you can uh, make your marriage uh, stronger. So let's take a look at the art of letting go, and especially focusing on this whole area of forgiveness. Open your Bibles. I always encourage you to bring your Bibles with you as we study it together. Open up to Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to talk about reasons to forgive. The first reason is God has forgiven me. We read in Matthew 18, verse 21, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Now, Peter's coming up, curious about how often do I have to keep forgiving someone for something? Now, Jewish law said you only had to forgive three times. Now, that's not found in the Old Testament. They just made that up. <laughs> they had about that much grace for people. Three times, and I'm done with you. What Jesus Christ was saying was much different. Now, Peter thought he was being generous. Okay, Jewish law says three times, but I'm going to really impress Christ here. I'm going to say seven times. And he's going to know I'm such a generous person, and he'll probably say, Peter, you are such a forgiving person. <laughs> and Jesus Christ says, no. Seventy-seven times, in other translations, it's seventy times seven, so that would be 490 times. Is really keeping score what Jesus Christ is talking about here? No. He's talking about you continue to forgive over and over and over. There is no limit to the number of times that you should forgive someone for what they've done to you. Then he gives us a very powerful parable that illustrates his point. Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 
thousand talents. So here you have this king. Now, it's interesting to know, it says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus Christ is talking about this new kingdom that he's bringing to earth, and he's the king. So we need to understand that. This is a, a story about Christ, a story about the gospel. Uh, so he's the king. But going back to the parable, this king has slaves that he's entrusted resources to in order to get the job done. In running his kingdom, they're still slaves. And so one guy comes, and he owes $3 billion in today's money, inflation, adjusted, all that kind of stuff. $3 billion, 10,000 talents. $3 billion, how did he ever <laughs> you know, get to that point? Oh, and they can $3 billion. Well, obviously, Jesus Christ is using hyperbole here. He's taking a number that everybody would know, well, there's no possible way that somebody could pay that back. That's the whole point here. And what he's talking about, he's talking about the debt that we have to God in regards to our sin. We have a penalty because of our rebelliousness, because of our sinful nature. We've chosen to go our own way. And that penalty can never be paid by us. We can't pay anybody $3 billion. How many lifetimes would that take, right? That's the point that Jesus Christ is making. There's no possible way this guy can pay the king back. It goes on in verse 25, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife, children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So he's selling them into servitude. He's selling them into hard labor. So this is a punishment for not paying back the money. And in the same way, when we're under the penalty of sin, that penalty is eternal separation from God in hell. And that is devastating to even start to think about. But that's the penalty. That's how serious sin is is. Well, it goes on. Verse 26, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. That's kind of an odd thing to say, right? Obviously, this is hyperbole. Jesus Christ is creating this story. So the guy says, Listen, just give me some time to pay it back. And everybody's listening and saying, Well, there's no way you can pay that back. It's just way too much. Well, that's a mentality that many people have, that I can pay God back for all that I've done. Let's say that you could actually buy a relationship with God. Many people think this way. They think, okay, you know, I have to get, uh, who knows, $1 million throughout my life. So I'll pay, you know, or God will get $10 from my account if I pray. Another $10 if I read the Bible. Another $10 if I go to church. And so it goes. But at the same time, <laughs> in their minds, uh, there's withdrawals for every sin that they make. So this is how they're thinking. Okay, well, somehow I'm going to be able to get to the point where I have more deposits than withdrawals, and, and God is just going to look at me and say, well, you're good enough. But what they don't realize 
in that particular type of economy, when you look at how God views things, they're always at a zero balance, no matter what they do. There's nothing you can do that can make God feel better about you, that can even move you one inch toward a relationship with Him, because you are condemned. You have to pay the penalty, unless you choose what God is offering you. And that's a free gift of salvation. Jesus Christ bearing the sins of the world, yours and mine. He bore the penalty so we can come to God and say, God, I have nothing to give you. I've got a zero balance. There's nothing I can do to pay you back with this tremendous debt, $3 billion worth of sin. There's nothing I can do, so I just need to humbly come before you and give my life over to you. And you've never made that decision to totally trust in Christ, not in your good works. We encourage you to do that. Come up afterwards and talk to us. Put it on your communication card. We just had a woman who put her name down and was said, I'm interested in a personal relationship with Christ. And Pastor Rich had a chance to lead her to Christ right over the phone. Isn't that beautiful? So, again, yeah, something to celebrate. But we always want to let you know that uh, you can find the good news of Christ here at any time. So the servant uh, says this to the king, and then the king responds. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him from the debt. And that is the gospel, my friend. That's the good news that Jesus Christ made a way to the Father. And because of that, God is able to forgive our sin because Christ paid the penalty. And, and now, after we make that decision to trust in Christ for salvation, we are now His children. And we just uh, drink in all the love that He has for us and the grace that He's extended to us. I mean, imagine this man who realized that his whole family was going to be sold into hard labor, slavery. And all of a sudden, the king says, you're free to go. You're free to go. The account is clear. It's all been paid. What kind of joy that must be, right? Wouldn't that be great if, if you have a particular type of debt and they send you a certified uh, a piece of mail or give you a call and say, hey, listen, just want to let you know, somebody took care of it for you. <laughs> That would be a very good day, right? Well, that's exactly what this man is experiencing. Well, now let's continue on. Uh, verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now that uh, is around $5,000 in today's uh, money. $5,000. Now, he was just forgiven of a $3 billion debt. And this other guy owes him $5,000. So what he does, he goes up to him and he seizes him and he begins to choke him. <laughs> He's pretty angry about this. In fact, it was legal under Roman law to choke people that owed you money. <laughs> and that'd be interesting if that was the case today. But uh, so he was choking him, saying, Hey, what you owe? So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. Now, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's exactly 
What he said to the king, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, we're reading this story and the people are listening to Jesus. And what are we all thinking? Huh? Who is this guy? <laughs> Does he have that short a memory that he was just forgiven for a $3 billion debt? And now he's putting the screws to this guy who only owes him $5,000. Is somebody do a heart transplant and rip out his heart of what just happened to him? Is this guy close? Is he that selfish? And then you realize that Jesus Christ had uh, put the knife in, one might say, right? Because who is this person? It's you and me, right? It's you and me. We're the servant. Because, you see, if we have accepted Christ's free gift of salvation, well, He has forgiven us of all of our sins. I mean, think about all your sins. Think about the ones that come to mind right away over your life. And then think of, about the, the hundreds, maybe thousands that you commit over the period of a year, ones you're not even aware of. And He forgave you for every one of them. And then what do we do? After we've experienced that incredible grace, when our boss treats us unfairly, we get really mad. And we hold a grudge. We resent that person. Or when a coworker gossips about us, we hold a grudge against them. And we become resentful and, and bitter. Or when... Our spouse continues to treat us in a certain way. We refuse to forgive them. Or our teenager or adult child disappoints us by how they respond to us. We refuse to forgive them, and the list goes on and on and on. This is one of the most difficult areas for a Christ follower, is forgiving another person. Because we feel justice should be done. I mean, our whole pop culture, that's a, one of the main themes for entertainment is the revenge movie, right? A cop's partner get kills and the whole movie is about revenge and oh we love it. We love it. And they draw out the death for ten minutes and they have a long talk before the guy eventually kills them, you know. We love every minute of it, the resolution. Yes, justice has been served and we think in our minds, Oh, if only I could bring justice into the lives of the people in my workplace or my family my relatives, whoever it might be. Yeah, it's, just, it's amazing that we think that way when, when Jesus Christ has forgiven us, uh, or God's forgiven us through Christ. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Why is it so hard for us? Well, I think one of the reasons it's so hard for us is we fully, first of all, we don't fully appreciate how sinful we are. That's the first thing. We can't fully appreciate how much grace we've received until we understand how sinful we are and how abhorrent sin is to God. So we have to fully understand that first. I mean, what a big deal it was that we were forgiven. When you think about it, if God had to come down if Jesus Christ 
had to give his life. Sin is a pretty serious thing. Of course, our culture tells, oh, no big deal. Go ahead and sin. You know, they encourage us to sin. And, and we lose sight of the fact of how holy God is and how unholy we are. So that's the first thing we need to understand. And when we start to understand that, then we can begin to fully appreciate God's grace. Now, we can talk about God's grace, God's unmerited favor, you know, mercy, not getting what we deserve, all those kind of things. But the key question, have we really processed through it? Have we really felt His grace? Have we thought about His grace? Many of us haven't. Many of us uh, are still kind of performance-oriented in our relationship with God. True, we came to Christ and we accepted Christ as our Savior, but we still think, well, we've got to continue to perform for Him in order to keep in His good graces. But the point is is that we need to, to realize that Jesus Christ gave His life and that God loves us so much He allowed that to happen in order that we might have a relationship with Him. I just want to encourage you to you know, go on Google and search for Bible verses on grace, Bible verses on forgiveness, Bible verses on God's love, and just take a couple verses that just kind of jump off uh, the screen at you. And then take your time in your daily office to meditate upon that and how much God loves you and how much grace he extends you, not just at salvation but throughout your life. He continues to forgive. He continues to give you grace. He continues to be patient with you and and just really understand the depth of his grace for you. And the more you grow in the depth of your sin, knowing that, and how much he's forgiven you and the grace that he's given you, the more you're going to be able to forgive other people. Now, ultimately, you can't do it. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural thing to forgive someone. It's just totally opposite of our sinful nature. But, but again, as you let the Holy Spirit speak to you and prompt you, he can empower you to forgive, just as this woman forgave this man who murdered her daughter because of the power of the Spirit, because she had received the grace from God, because she knew that she should obey. Now, that's an amazing thing. So... Uh, that's the first thing. We need to realize that God has forgiven me. The second thing, the second reason that is for uh, God, for or our reason to forgive, is resentment makes me miserable. Verse 31, when his fellow servants, so this is the fellow servants of the king, they uh, hear what happens now. Of course, they had heard what the king had done, and they were astounded by it. And they were even more astounded by the fact that this guy won't forgive somebody who owes him. A uh, very small amount of money, in relative to what relative to what he uh, he was forgiven for. While his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. You wouldn't believe what he did. I saw it. He was choking him. Then his master summoned him and said to him, "You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me." And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. One thing 
we don't think about sometimes is that when we don't forgive a person, we construct a prison for ourselves. Not a physical prison, but a mental and emotional and spiritual prison. And that's a prison of resentment. The resentment that can grow in our heart toward people who've hurt us. For people who've wronged us. And we continue to harbor that resentment and eventually it turns into a prison of bitterness and it has all kind of kinds of ramifications in one's life it affects your emotional life it's like a poison within your system and your spiritual life even your physical life the effects of the stress that is brought upon your body because you're harboring these ill feelings toward someone Resentment is the number one emotion that's going to be destructive in your body. And we all know the ironic thing is that the person who actually hurt us, who beat us up, one might say, isn't even thinking about us. They could care less. <laughs> so they were beating us up, and we're still mad at them beating us up, so we continue to beat ourselves up. And they're whistling down the street. Does that make any sense whatsoever? They're continuing to hurt you because you refuse to forgive. That, friends, is insanity. Now, we, we think, hey, it feels good. Well, it might feel good in a sense, but it is killing you. And that's another reason why you should forgive for your own spiritual, mental, and physical health. You, just, you need to let go. Let go of what's going on in your heart. And your soul. It's interesting that as people grow older, if they have not forgiven people in their lives as the years have gone by, they become very bitter. We've all run into older people who are very, very negative. You just don't even want to be around them. They just give off a vibe. They complain about everything. And, and it's because they haven't forgiven people. Another reason is because they have unresolved guilt in their lives. So it creates a person who's not uh, very attractive. Uh, Job 21, it's written there, one, days, one dies in his full vigor, being wholly at ease and secure, his pails full of milk, and the marrow of his bones moist. That's beautiful imagery, isn't it? This is about a person who's lived their life, who's forgiven people, who's worked through the pain of life. And when they get to the end of life, they're not some bitter old person. They're a person who still has joy, who still has security, and is at ease. And then there's an idea of abundance. Uh, then contrasted with this in verse 25, another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted a prosperity. That's the bitter person. That's the person who is in so many jails they're forever in prison. Well, friends, if you're younger, <laughs> yeah, wherever you're at in life, but learn how to forgive. Learn how to let go. Now, I never said it was easy, but it's the most beneficial thing you can do in your relationships with other people. When I, when I look at this image, one dies in his full vigor, being holy at ease and secure, his pails full of milk and the marrow of his bones moist. I think of Frank Marcico. 
uh, Frank Marchico, uh went to be with the Lord this past week. And he and Linda have attended our church since 2000, 12 years. It's a long time. And he actually became a Christian in 1999, just a year before he came to Springbrook. Both he and Linda did later in life. And just to, to see Frank, I mean, throughout all these years, just as a gentle giant, a guy who just was so loving, such had a servant's heart, cared uh, for me and my wife, Lori, and for so many other people. Uh, and when I was with him, you know, here he was just days from death, and he, he was a, had so much peace. And he was secure in his relationship with God. He knew where he was going. He knew the hope that he had. And when I read this verse, that's, that's Frank. That's exactly the way Frank died. And I want to die like Frank, a person who has released all these petty grudges and bitternesses. But you got to do it as you go along. <laughs> it's hard to do once you grow older, but you just need to get into that habit. Uh, and we're going to celebrate Frank's life this week. Tomorrow there's a visitation here at Springbrook uh, from 3 to 8. And then there will be another short visitation on Tuesday from 9, or excuse me, 10 to 11. And then 11 o'clock we're going to have his uh, going home celebration. So I'll be praying for Linda and the rest of the family as they grieve the loss of uh, a great husband and a, a great dad. Well, looking at reasons to forgive. Well, first of all, God has forgiven me. Resentment makes me miserable. And the third thing is I'll need forgiveness in the future, Jesus Christ says in Matthew 18:35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So again, he's saying if you do not forgive as a Christ follower, God is going to discipline you. God is going to make life difficult for you. Now, not forgiving a person, that, all, that creates a lot of uh, pain anyway, but it's even going to be worse because God wants to bring you back into wholeness. And so, therefore, he is going to put the pressure on you, make life even more challenging than it is, and that's the way he disciplines you to draw him back to himself, draw you back to uh, doing what he desires you to do. So, if you have a... If you have a bitter spirit, that's impacting your relationship with God. Now, we believe once a person becomes a Christ follower, if it was a genuine decision, uh, that you never lose your salvation, but the quality of your relationship is impacted. If you had a fight uh, with your spouse before you came, there's tension going on right now, right? You need to forgive each other. And uh, But the point being is, is that we have a relationship with someone, but... The fellowship, in terms of how tight we feel together, is interrupted. And that's what happens when we're in sin. Uh, the, the sense of unity with God, it doesn't feel the same way. And so what God says is, is that if you do not forgive, you are going to be disciplined. And uh, to the point that you actually do forgive and you do obey. Colossians 3.13, we see it again. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We need to be a forgiving family. We need to learn to 
to go to each other when we have an offense against each other. We need to learn to, instead of gossiping about people, talking about behind people behind their back, to go directly to them with whatever issue you have. And then we need to learn to extend forgiveness to the person that's, hurt, that's hurting us. I mean, Jesus Christ said they'll know you by your, by, by your love for each other. Uh, they'll know you're Christians. And that's the one thing that needs to be uh, so prevalent in our lives as Christ followers, because of this incredible grace that's been poured into our lives, we should love people like no one else on this earth. Because we've experienced it. We have Christ within us. We have the supernatural ability to be able to love others. And we just have to put it to work. We have to ask God to do that work in our lives. Now, let me quickly talk about what forgiveness is not. There's many misconceptions about forgiveness that keep people from forgiving. For example, minimizing the seriousness of the offense. So if I go ahead and forgive my husband or forgive my child or whoever, well, they're going to think it's not a big deal if I say I forgive you. And they're going to do it to me again. Well, no, 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 no. I always counsel people when we're talking about this. When you go to a person and uh, forgive them, you tell them how it's impacted you. You tell them, listen, you did this to me, and this is how I felt, and this is how it impacted me, and uh, this is the pain that I experienced. Make it very clear to them to know what, you want to rub it in, but you, you need to, especially if they're clueless, <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know, they, they go, oh. no, 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 listen to me. This is how this has impacted my life, but I'm forgiving you for it. Another misconception is forgiveness is not the instant restoration of trust. This is a big one. Because people think, well, if I forgive this person, that means that I have to trust them again like we did before this incident happened. No, no, you don't have to trust them again. They have to earn that trust. The most common illustration is when there is a sexual or emotional affair in a marriage relationship. And many times the person who commits the sin feels that person should just trust them again. When trust has to be earned, in fact, trust is the most precious commodity in a relationship. That is the most important thing between you and another person. And the deeper the trust goes, the more solid the relationship. But if, if you break that trust, you're going to have to earn it back. And it's hard to earn back. You say, it shouldn't be hard. Well, yeah, it should. Because why should that person trust you if you sinned against them in that way? Now, they can extend grace to you, but you've got to ask the Lord to give you that uh, ability to be able to love them and show them that you're serious about rebuilding this relationship. And I've worked with couples over the years, and sometimes it takes years for that trust to be rebuilt. And that's why it's so important that we guard the trust in our relationship, because once it's broken, it's a precious commodity that is very hard uh, to rebuild. Uh, the third thing is forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without any changes. Some people think, well, if I forgive the person, then I'm going to have to be friends with them again. And I'll... No, not necessarily. Now, if you forgive the person and you're able to talk to them about it, uh, if they repent and then they say, okay, I'm willing to work on this relationship, yeah, you can rebuild the relationship. But if they don't think they did anything wrong to you, and they're just a friend, per se, 
you're not going to have the same relationship with them. There's no reason you should have the same relationship with them because they're not willing to rebuild. Now, you can forgive. You need to do that. And many times you can forgive a person and they, they have no clue. They don't think they did anything wrong. But you've got to get it off uh, your chest, one might say. You've got to be able to process it as God wants you to, and they can do whatever they want. Now, this is very difficult uh, in a marital relationship or a, mar- a relationship with a child because you're, you're stuck together. <laughs> if it's a friend, then okay, well, then you don't have to see that person as much. But it's very difficult for those of you who are in a marriage relationship where the person has been hurting you. And it doesn't mean, for example, if somebody's verbally abusing you or physically abusing that you just have to take it. Well, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> you say, hey, listen. Uh, I'll forgive you, but you know you need to move out of the house for a while, or you need to go to counseling. So we're talking about tough love here. You've got to forgive over time, but at the same time, you need to protect yourself. So as you can see, it gets very, very complex. Now some people say, "Well, it's just not fair. I just can't let them go like that. They need to pay." And I've got like five different plans that I can maybe use on them <laughs> to remind them of the pain that they, they put me through. Well, this is really where it takes a step of faith. In Romans 12:19, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, here's a question. Who do you think is more qualified to mete out justice. You are God. Yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> but most of us would probably say ourselves. <laughs> well, I know God's got a lot going on, a busy schedule, and I'm really invested in this one, much more than he is. And I'm just going to take something off his plate because I want to make sure this is done right. I want to enjoy them crying. I want to enjoy the pain. <laughs> that's where we're at. But we need, right, to trust in God. I mean, he's the one who's objective. He's the one who can do it in a holy way. And we can't do it. But that's a big step. That's really releasing it. And, oh, that's, that's difficult to do. In fact, forgiveness is a process. That's where we get confused. Sometimes people think, well, if I forgive this person, then all my negative feelings go away and... I mean, that doesn't even make sense to me. You don't know how emotional this is. Well, yeah, it is emotional. And sometimes that happens. You know, God works in unusual ways, and sometimes you forgive a person, and, you know, he gives you a new spirit and a new attitude toward them. Many times, most of the time, it's a process. So, first of all, the first step is just to forgive. You make that choice. Like today, maybe you're thinking through this, and God's speaking to your heart, and you say, okay, i got to forgive. i got to forgive. I don't, well... I don't want to do it, but I know it's the right thing to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it because it seems impossible, but I'm just going to make the choice. I am going to forgive this person. Maybe you're going to go home and you're going to journal or you're going to sit and pray and say, okay, God, I don't know how to do this. Uh, never wanted to do it, but I know that for all these reasons, it's the right thing to do. You've commanded it. I'm going to forgive. And then an hour later, you're going to be ticked off at that person again because you've been thinking about it for the last year. <laughs> so it's not going to magically disappear from your head unless God does that but an hour later you're even madder than you were earlier <laughs> you say what's the deal God <laughs> I forgave the person that well you got to forgive him again and two hours later you got to forgive him again and in the middle of the night when you wake up and think about it you got to forgive him again 
You see, it's a process. You just need to continue to forgive and give your emotions over to God and say, Lord, help me to work through these painful emotions and uh, help me to understand them, bring people into my life who can help me understand what's going on in my heart and just let your Holy Spirit speak to me. And it can take months to really fully forgive a person. And the third step, forgiven, well, that's when you uh, don't feel any ill will toward that person anymore. You actually wish them well. And that can take a long time. But that's what you need to work through. So maybe you're here today and you've been in the forgiveness process. And so hopefully this message will encourage you to continue to soldier on because maybe you're getting kind of weak. And is this really worth it? Uh, of course it's worth it. That's what God wants you to do. Uh, maybe for some of you this is the beginning of the process. I'm sure many of you get up here and testify about how you went through this process and the freedom you experienced today. And you're no longer caught in that prison bitterness and uh, resentment. Uh, there's a very powerful book called Unbroken. Anybody read Unbroken? Anybody out there Unbroken? Yeah. Somebody mentioned to me after service. Uh, the story comes out of it. A guy named uh, Louis Zamprini, he was uh, fighting in World War II in the Air Corps, and he uh, took off from Oahu, Hawaii. There's a picture of him. And he fled, or he uh, flew about 800 miles, and his plane was shot down. He and his buddy ended up on this small life raft in the middle of the uh, Pacific. And they were there for 47 days, the longest time on record that somebody's been at sea like that. And they were dehydrated, starving, experiencing dementia. They thought it couldn't get worse, but it did get worse because they were put in a Japanese prison. There's one particular guard that chose Louie. Uh, the guy was nicknamed the bird. And what he did to Louie is for two years he uh, verbally and physically tortured him for two years while in this prison camp. Well, eventually he was released. Louie came back to the States. Everybody thought he was dead. He was declared dead. And, of course, it was just a wonderful story that he uh, made it through all these uh, different challenges. But then he constructed his bitter prison around him. And he fell into alcoholism and just obsessed with getting back at this person he had nicknamed uh, the bird. Uh, then he went to a Billy Graham crusade. And God started to work in his life. And he eventually became a Christ follower. And within a period of a year, he went back to Japan to meet with his captors to forgive them. And he asked, where's the bird? And they said he committed suicide. And this is what he states here. Louis felt something he had never felt for his captor before. With a shiver of amazement, he realized it was compassion. At that moment, something shifted sweetly inside him. It was forgiveness, beautiful and effortless and complete. Whereas Louis Zamprini, the war was over. And I was talking about the war in his heart. And many of you have a war going on in your heart right now. You've been harboring bitterness for a long time. And isn't it time for the war to be over? The Holy Spirit speaking to you right now and saying, you've got to let go. You've got to let go. And your sinful nature says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let go. It's defined me. Isn't that a sad thing? That bitterness defines your life. So uh, I really encourage you guys. Um, to 
to forgive. And I, I encourage myself. I've got issues, people in my life I have issues with. And as I did this message, I was thinking about that. And, you know, it's, it's a complex process, but we just need to continue to ask God to speak into it, to move in our hearts. We need to be willing to let the Holy Spirit move us toward forgiveness. And some of you need to sit down with your small group leader and talk about this, or maybe with one of the pastors here, or maybe somebody else you know who can help you. Maybe even a counselor. It might be very traumatic, the pain that you've gone through, and you know, you've kept it under wraps for so long, and you need to sit down with somebody who's very skilled in bringing up a very painful thing in your life. It's not simple. It's the most complex and difficult thing that most of us can do. But God wants to do a miracle in your life if you'll allow Him to. We're just going to spend a few moments in silent prayer here. And I just want you to speak to God about what He's been uh, talking to you about over this last uh, 40 minutes. And uh, let the Lord lead you in your prayer. Oh, dear Lord, help us to forgive. Help me to forgive. I pray as we go throughout this week that we would think often about this time together. I pray that for some here that this would be the beginning of their forgiveness journey. They would make a decision today that this is something they need to do. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but they're willing to take that first step. For those who are in the midst of a forgiveness journey, I pray that they might be spurred on by our time together. And for those who have experienced the miracle of forgiveness, I pray that they would thank you for what you did in their lives and help them to continue with that uh, that behavior. In Christ's name, amen.